0: accent how to actually properly pronounce the words that way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older german men because you said apple strudel and not apple strudel um no it's really cool uh, i'm gonna say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners right now you can get up to 60 percent off your babble subscription but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones by the way at babble.com slash realm Get 60% off at babel.com/ slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible and i can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator that being said visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum it's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting what you do get with visible is unlimited
1: Welcome, Super Nintendo, to another episode of Nintendo Voice Chat. This is episode 622, and I am your host, Nopon Wrangler Cat Bailey. I'm joined by three special guests for a big Xenoblade Chronicles 3 review roundtable. First of all, we have our IGN reviewer and contributor, Travis Northup. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. Happy to be here. Excited to talk some Xenoblade.
1: Also joining me is Digital Foundry's John Linneman.
3: Thanks, Kat. It's uh, good to be here as well. Talk about some Xenoblade, some switch tech, you know, get into all of this good stuff.
1: And finally, the co-host
4: of my other podcast and also Asian of chaos, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Hello, everyone. Um, Kat, when you said ninfrendo's, it sounds like something on The Simpsons that the Nerds call each other, the nerd table. We are ninfrendo's. I like it. Yes, we are doing the full-on
1: nerd takeover of Nintendo Voice Chat. You want it? Xenoblade Chronicles experts? Well, gosh darn it, we have Xenoblade Chronicles experts on this episode to talk about all things Xenoblade. We're also going to be talking a little bit about the technical side of the Nintendo Switch, since we have John on here. And we're going to be talking about all the things that's been happening in the wonderful world of Nintendo. And, in fact, let's get right to it first of all more tactics ogre rumors including a november 11th release date maybe but we could get a switch release date lord of the rings Gollum has been delayed precious roller champions isn't dead yet but it hasn't been super great and finally we have some sad news super smash brothers Bra- sorry smash brothers brawl composer kenichi okuma has died at 56 He was responsible for various remixes, including Gyromite, Flat Zone 2, Pokemon Gym, uh, The Evolution, all of which lived on through Ultimate. Our thoughts go out to his friends and family. But our top story is Mario Kart 8 Booster booster Course Pass Wave 2 release date. That's a mouthful. Yes, it has been revealed at last. And we have a brand new... course it's sky high sunday and i love this it's going to be driven entirely
4: in anti-grav mode which uh, i really love that mm. that is pretty cool why should gravity restrain cars that's uh that shouldn't happen i think that's a, a, mario yeah
3: exactly um, i mean it's good but it's like it also means we're probably never going to get a new f-zero right so like well yeah, we you yeah yeah
4: <laughs>
1: Is this where no, we're going? No. no. Is this where we're taking the conversation from happiness to <laughs> sadness?
3: <laughs> no, this, this, is, this is all good stuff. Franchise of eternal
4: sadness.
1: I have y'all been playing Mario Kart 8 uh, Booster Course Pass Wave 1?
4: I have not. I keep meaning to get to it and I just have not, period.
2: Yeah. Some of my roommates are obsessed with Mario Kart, so it's a staple in the house. You know, it's mm-hmm. a good party game. Yeah.
3: Yeah. This is a, a few time with friends. It's, it's good.
1: Yeah, we're more of a Smash Brothers uh, household. However, (laughs) I will say uh, a couple of the courses on this uh, Wave 2 really stand out to me. One of them is uh, Calamari Desert on the Mm -hmm. N64 game. I'm just a sucker for all of the N64 Mario Kart uh, courses in general. I don't know why. They're not... Often not anything special, but uh, maybe it's just nostalgia. I did play a lot of
4: Mario Kart. A very intense nostalgia because, like, we were going from uh, flat sort of mode seven to holy crap, this train is going to hit me in the face. Like, that was a huge jump. And that was, if anything, really thrived in 3D, that transition from 2D to 3D. It was certainly Mario Kart.
2: Yeah. So you said you're a uh, more of a Smash Bros. house. Uh, What. Which one ruins friendships more quickly, <laughs> would you say? Mario Kart or Smash Bros? In your expert opinion?
1: Oh, uh, my expert opinion? Uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, it has to be Mario Kart 8. It's hard yeah. to decide because Mario Kart 8 has a blue shell, of course, uh. which can be <laughs> utterly infuriating.
3: Smash, oh, yeah. Yep.
1: Smash Brothers, on the other hand, anytime somebody gets one of those Smash orbs, and you're just like, oh, I, I, I hate you. Or worse, one friend is really, really, really good at Smash Brothers and everybody else is kind of mediocre. Yeah, that's all boring. Yeah. Just a little bit. But here's the full list of courses in Wave 2. Uh, there's the aforementioned Sky High Sunday, Calamari Desert, SNES, Mario Circuit 3, Wii Mushroom Gorge, Tour, Sydney, Sprint, uh, the Nintendo DS's, Waluigi Pinball, the GBA's Snowland, mm-hmm. and Mario Kart Tour's New York Minute. I think it's funny that Mario Kart Tour had courses based on actual locations. Like, so Mario's falling yeah. into the real was world. A Vancouver one, which uh, I was always mad there wasn't a Toronto one. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Nadia, resident Canadian, of um, course. I mean, that would be <laughs> kind of cool to have, like, a... I mean, they've had snow courses before, but you know, it'd be
4: very what snowy, they, right? Hockey thing. you theme? gotta hand it out to Nintendo for is only they could have a series where a, a level named Baby Park is a arena of absolute chaos and terror. If you know, someone says Baby Park and, and and Twitter just lights up with all these intense takes and that's oh where God. people die. That's where men go to die. Men go to die at Baby Park. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing about all this for me though is I'm not sure it would necessarily happen, but I would love to see, like, a complete version of this game released eventually. Right. You know, after all this is out, put out Mario Kart 8, like, Super Deluxe. And it's all the Booster Course Pass tracks, everything in one cart. So, I mean, there's precedent for that with Nintendo, I think, so they might do it, but I sure would like to see it.
2: Or maybe there will never be a complete edition because I think with Mario Kart 8 at this point, Nintendo's getting dangerously close to having a live service game. I mean, with all the support. Yeah, you're right.
3: Yeah. It's the forever Mario Kart. <laughs> there Mario will Kart. be no MK9. Mario Kart Infinite, if you will. Well,
1: we'll exactly. be going through at least the end of 2023 because we're getting waves three through six during that time. Uh, I just want to highlight the Nintendo DS version of Mario Kart low-key had some great courses I agree. and i was especially a big yeah. fan of waluigi pinball uh, wow mm-hmm. so i'm <laughs> wow so i'm pretty <laughs> happy uh to see this one in the booster course back but
3: yeah so that was the first one with online play right oh yeah yeah. It was yeah like it was like it was like the network play or whatever you did with the different ds systems but it was really good
4: yeah it was really good i remember uh my favorite one of my favorite tracks of all time is on there in the DS. It's uh, the airship track. That was just fantastic. Oh, oh that's yeah. a
3: good one. That's great. Yeah.
1: Does anybody remember if the Nintendo DS version had good Wi-Fi? Cause I remember I, I it was such a pain to get the Nintendo DS actually online to play with yeah. other people. But I seem mm. to recall having a decently fun time yeah, out racing me against too. people.
4: I, I do seem to remember being able to play and have no major problems with connections and yeah. like, it was not bad
3: for the time i think you're right it was quite smooth and you know it was it was a very frictionless experience where it wasn't about chatting with people it was just you yeah. just get in there you're playing with other people and it just works yeah. and it was pretty good about that
1: That's all you needed the irony is if the nintendo ds version actually works better than the nintendo switch version <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Kind of we're in trouble <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's your obligatory shot at Nintendo's online service, but it will be available August 4th. The booster course pass is $25. You can get it through the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pass. Okay. It's now time for the reason that we are all here, which is Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It is now out (laughs) on the Nintendo Switch, the big summer release. Travis and John, you both reviewed it. (laughs) Nadia... You just really like Xenoblade Chronicles, so I thought I would bring you on here uh, to vibe a little bit about Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2. But uh, Travis, start with you. You reviewed it for IGN.com. And tell tell me some of your high-level feelings about Xenoblade Chronicles 3.
2: Yeah, um, I gave it 8 out of 10. It is a great game. Uh, it's a fantastic JRPG that I spent over 150 hours in, uh, 150 hours just to do my my first playthrough, which was pretty much a completionist playthrough doing a, uh, pretty much all the side quests, because it's sort of hard not to in this game with, with uh, the developments and stuff that they give you. Um, but yeah, it, it's got a great story, uh, characters you fall in love with over the course of the adventure, um, some really uh, inventive and creative areas like you can always expo- expect from Xenoblade. Um, and the big highlights for me are that the combat system is drastically improved over uh, 1 and 2. It is uh, super fun to do they have kind of like a jobs system where you can learn the the character classes of other classes and that sort of keeps it engaging and changes it up for for your party uh, constantly as you're playing um and then the other big highlight is side quests which were one of my biggest complaints from the xenoblade uh series is just how grindy and and uh, fetch questy they could get mm-hmm. and they they really made some huge improvements in that regard there are Side quests that really feel like they should be mandatory. They last several hours to complete. They have multiple, you know, minutes long cutscenes and and story developments and stuff that you unlock afterward. And it, it's uh you know, I I didn't go in expecting to do a completionist playthrough on my review playthrough, uh, but I ended up feeling like I sort of had to because there's just so much content there that you could you could miss and that I would have felt bad missing if I if I didn't put myself uh, through it. So super cool game. Um, you know, if you have issues with some of the, the tropiness of anime characters, there's a little bit of that. There are certainly pacing issues in the story where they're repeating the same lines of dialogue in three separate cutscenes that they probably could have just skipped over. Uh, they do a little bit of that, um, has in my opinion, pretty weak boss fights. They, they throw kind of the same samey bosses at you and make you fight them multiple times, um, and that sort of stuff. And then, you know, I'm sure John will get into this, but, uh, despite the the magic that the developer has done to make this game run at all on the Switch, it it at times isn't the prettiest game, uh, for comparing it to other open-world RPGs in this day and age, um, even if it is a a pretty massive accomplishment uh, for the device that it's on. But all in all, um, if you love the series, you're more than likely really going to like this one. Uh, And even if you haven't played uh, these games before, three it works as a standalone game uh, you, you won't be missing a terrible uh, amount if, mm-hmm. if you just start here and that's what I would recommend is if you're if you're just wanting to get into the series. I, I would just say hop in with three it's it's a really a great time and and managed to keep me engaged pretty much the entire 150 hours I played it. So that's my big recommendation and you can read more in my review uh, on on the website so yeah
1: Four, five times bigger? Then its predecessor. They were saying uh, in an interview over on Nintendo.com the other day. That's wild to me because uh, Nadia, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, was pretty big.
4: Yeah, uh, like I said on actually Blood God, I am I have been replaying Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for a little while now, and it is a darn big game. With it's just like full of so many different islands with their own cultures, and above, below, just everywhere you can think of. Like there's so much to do in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So the fact that it's like five hours or five times bigger. As you said, I'm actually kind of worried because God, I sunk like 200 hours into seeing you play Chronicles two initially, I could probably do this. Oh, 500 man. hours. So. Oh, yeah,
2: you'll easily I mean, for people who want it, there's so much content and I, I haven't even gotten into the post game. The post game for this game is ridiculous, the amount that they add. So you know, that that's outside of the 150 hours I spent during the review period. But yeah, there, there's a lot in that. game.
4: how's the so. uh, the music because that was that's one of my favorite things. About, oh.
2: too. It's very good. <laughs> it's very yeah. good.
4: Sue does a top yeah. of this game as usual.
2: Yeah, it's quite good. I, I saw some people were worried about the incorporation of flutes because it's such a big part of the story, and and I think a developer commented on the fact that you know they're trying to work flutes into a lot of their uh, soundtracks, and and people were worried it might be same-y. Uh right. Not the not the case really at all. It it's got a really great diverse soundtrack, exactly like you would expect it to. Um, I ended up not talking about it in my review because it's sort of just like. Uh, you know, it, if it were terribly uh, different from other games, like if it were worse or uh, magnificently better, uh, that's probably worth a comment. But uh, my comment on it is that it's exactly what you'd expect from Xenoblade game, which is extremely high quality.
3: I, I will definitely high, be buying There's some this. standout tracks, though, dude. Like There are. The that, the, the track with uh, that plays during some of those key boss fight moments with sort of the vocal with backing. The opera like voices. That, yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is <laughs> yeah. incredible. Like, it's really good. Quite <laughs> so, good. It, it got me. Yeah.
1: That's really awesome, actually. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Low-Key has always had really, really good soundtracks. Uh, going back to the Gower Plains in Xenoblade Chronicles, I feel like the original game is where that particular track is what grabbed so many people the first time you looked out on that uh, those expansive mm-hmm. uh, right. landscapes and everything. Listening to that music, so uh, it sounds like Xenoblade Chronicles Three really uh, captures a lot of that. But
0: this year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was That's not just any egg cream. That's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny, true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh,
1: John, you may recall Xenoblade Chronicles 2's uh, kind of technical side. (laughs) It was a little rough. At times and you did a full breakdown over on digital foundry so you know talk me talk us through it like how did it do did, is it a lot better than xenoblade chronicles 2
3: yeah so i've actually covered pretty much every xenoblade chronicles game at this point aside from the very first one on wii and there's definitely been a marked shift in terms of the technology with each installment and two was the point where it felt like they were pushing things a little bit too hard on the yeah. switch and as you guys know, like especially in portable mode, it would get really blurry. Uh, The performance wasn't very good. I mean, the art, the underlying art was really nice. The world looked great, but it just didn't run well. And it feels to me like with this third game, they took a lot of that criticism to heart and really Mm -hmm. put a lot of engineering effort to try to overcome this stuff as best as they could. Like, it's not perfect. Like you said, Travis, but you know, the main thing for me is the way they handle image quality now. So on DF, we've talked a lot about like various temporal upsampling techniques. And it's essentially, we're using data from previous frames to sort of reconstruct frames or build the current frame from that data to create something that looks a little bit sharper. And that seems to be what they're doing here. So even though the resolution isn't actually much higher than Xenoblade Chronicles 2, on average, uh, it looks a lot sharper, yeah. especially in portable mode. Like, portable mode is actually beautiful now. Uh, whereas in 2 i thought it was <laughs> generally pretty bad it's
4: so it, that, it passes
3: <laughs> you can see something right especially especially on like the switch oled which has an even bigger screen yes, right like you're blowing it up even more exactly yeah, yeah so it's good for the colors but not for the clarity and here it's much much sharper uh although then performance wise it's actually kind of in line i guess with the prior entries where it's mostly 30 frames per second uh it does drop during a lot of the battles I think part of that is down to they've increased like the number of party members at any any mm. one time, right? right, right you have right. a ton of party members running around with you at any point, all engaging in battle, tons of enemies on screen. It's a lot to ask of the poor Switch.
4: It really is. Uh, I think uh, it, it is. <laughs> John, did you, I, I don't remember if you guys analyzed uh, Torna, the, the DLC and versus, uh, I'm just wondering how 3 compares to Torna, uh, which was a pretty big jump over the original game
3: that's true yeah i didn't actually do a video on torna but i do still this is this is kind of a weird thing and i'm curious what you guys think so i think three looks really good but there is a sense that maybe they paired back the detail a little bit like the density overall like two and especially torna was like just packed with so much (laughs) detail uh and three is a little bit more sparse but i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing like i i I really like the way the world looks in Mm -hmm. three but it does feel like they've kind of rebalanced it a little bit, you know? So it's, it's different. I would say.
2: Yeah. That was my impression too, John, is that you can see the ambition in every other area of the game, except for it's graphical. uh, And and I think that that's because they built it to spec, right? They knew what hardware that they were going to have to deal with when they made it, but you can certainly see it. And most times I don't even comment on the, the performance or visuals of a game, unless it is, you know, outstanding in one way or another. Um, But this one, there were certain parts where I just was like, eh, they cut cut some corners there, you know? It it didn't, that was a little blurry, you know, stuff like that. Exactly. um, That just made me wonder what it would be like if it were, on you know modern hardware if they put this game on steam or did something crazy like right. that like ha- switch how? pro yeah switch pro if there was a switch okay. pro what what would that what would that have looked like and i i just can't help still but...
1: my heart switch pro You're <laughs> You're right, the yeah. magic words
2: <laughs> yeah i just I just can't help but think about that when i play this game Is i'm just like it, i i want to see this game just unleashed because mm-hmm. i know it, i know what it, you
3: mean it, yeah yeah I I would still say though that some of the improvements they made that I really like is just the animation in general is better during the gameplay, especially. This is something I highlighted in the video, but running. I'm curious what you guys think. But I've always said like in Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2, the main characters have this sort of like Kingdom Hearts clown shoes effect where they're kind of (laughs) they got these big feet stomping around on the terrain. It looks kind of silly. I never quite loved it. Uh, in xenoblade chronicles 3 the characters they're they're much more svelte and just uh nicely designed nicely proportioned and they actually implemented inverse kinematics which is actually calculations to determine where the foot falls on the terrain so their feet actually connect better with the terrain Mm -hmm. so just the act of running around the world now feels better right which you do it so much in this game that it's kind of important i think Mm -hmm
4: yeah uh xenoblade chronicles 2 you're right it when you walk or run it does feel a little bit floaty so you're saying it they kind of improved (laughs) yeah
3: big time big time yeah
4: Yeah. i think that it reminds
1: me a little bit of the shift from valkyria chronicles 2 the valkyria chronicles 3 where in valkyria chronicles 2 they went very high school anime with the character designs maybe not to the extent that you know xenoblade chronicles 2 was a giant kind of departure from the original xenoblade chronicles but it feels like how Valkyria Chronicles 3, which I don't think a lot of Americans really played that one, but take my word for it, was kind of a maybe slightly darker, slightly edgier, you can see it a bit more in the, the actual character designs. They were moving back toward kind of a more realistic look, and frankly, I'm just going to come out and say that I wasn't a big fan of the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 designs, especially for mm-hmm. the main character. And I, I like these character <laughs> designs quite a bit better. They're more consistent. Yeah,
2: they are, yeah. okay. Sorry, I was, I was, I was going to say, they also match the tone of the game a lot better. Right. So yes. Xenoblade Chronicles yes. 2, I think, had a different tone that was a little bit more, I don't know how to describe it other than saying anime. It was a little bit more anime, right? And uh, I think the characters were built around that. Xenoblade 3 is a much darker world. And mm-hmm. I think the real the realistic uh, models that they use and, and, and that sort of thing are are. Totally in line with what they were trying to build and the story they were trying to tell. So, yeah, they, they nailed it. And and I, for me personally, I would agree with you, Kat. Like it, it resonated with me a lot more than Xenoblade Two and that
3: kind of take. So I'd say it's the best, actually, because if you look at it, each game in this series has had a different sort of character design. Yeah. Style, right. Like, and you know, the first one was kind of limited by the Wii, I suppose you could argue, but they've kind of been shifting it around. The the Wii U game, Xenoblade X. Or cross, I don't know how you're supposed to say it. Uh that one, I hated the designs in that one. Like they they just looked strange and generic despite the beautiful world. And then two, as you say, was maybe overly anime. Not that this isn't, but I think three <laughs> finally gets the right balance that just feels like it fits the world and the design better.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'd agree
3: with that.
1: Mini question block from James the Third. They want to know, are nopons cute, annoying? Or both. Uh, both? Nadia, what's your take?
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always said on, on Acts of the Blood God, uh, please stop trying to make no pawns happen because they're just like obviously trying to push these things as a mascot. And I guess they are. They're, it's too late. They're mascots. I think they are they're annoying, but useful. Like, I'm, again, I'm playing two and Tora, uh, I kind of like his design. Like, I think it's really cute that he wears overalls and he has like those tiger stripes and his name is Tora. That's adorable. And I like the fact that he has a sort of death made robot who's heavily influenced by Astro Boy. And if you are sick enough in the head like I am, you can sit there and customize her and be like, oh man, I could play this stupid mini game they have to get these stupid ether chips and these stupid upgrades. This is amazing. I love everything about this. So I I don't love no puns, but I don't want them to go away either. They, As long as they're, they, they wear overalls are usually okay. <laughs>
1: song so that, that's yeah. the that's the bar nadia that's wearing i gotta have clothes
3: cute clothes i want to hear what you have to think about them once you've played three yeah i, I was found say them that. really annoying in two uh but i actually like them a lot more in three so,
4: I could see them being like the Lala fell of the series and slipping like knives between ribs and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't go that route, but I would no. say
2: like they, they have a more like, um, you know, how in, in the first game they were sort of all congregated in a village and they had like a purpose of like, oh, this is a village of like strange people. Yeah, I feel like they they use them. <laughs> yeah, they they use them more kind of thematically in Xenoblade 3. So when you see an up on um, which by the way i pronounce it not on some characters in the game pronounce it a different way it's, it's really hard to I've heard this controversy. Yeah, me too. Um but yeah, uh i think in this game when you see them like i think of them as like kind of dwarves like most of them mm-hmm. are merchants and they they have like a very specific role in the world that is a little bit like lord yep. of the Rings-esque mm-hmm. uh, that i think is interesting yeah. and then uh the ones that are your party they have a they have a silly one that if you are into that well, you'll probably like but then they also have one that's kind of more substantial and serious, and actually has exactly uh, kind of impact on the plot and in the party's dynamic. And so, this game definitely made me feel more happy with the role of those creatures in the world versus two, which made me feel much worse about them. I was like, yeah, all right, sure. they, they should have left these in Xenoblade <laughs> One, is what I was thinking at uh, you know in two, but yeah, th- three, they they I, they have my respect certainly.
4: That's good. I like the idea of there being kind of like a more dark nup on. Like I always liked. In Narnia, you had Reapy Cheap, the, the mouse with the sword. Like oh, yeah. you could stab you in two seconds flat, but you're a cute <laughs> little mouse. So I like cute things that are deadly.
1: Good to know. Yeah. Last week on Nintendo <laughs> Voice Chat, we had Reb on to review Live Alive, another RPG that is now mm. available on the Nintendo Switch. It's a crucial difference between Live Alive and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. One is that pair likes Live Alive. That's a big one. Also one is much shorter than the other live alive is like (laughs) 20 hours thereabouts xenoblade chronicles 3 is an absolutely horrifying length but also quite (laughs) a bit more ambitious so i'm wondering is the length of xenoblade chronicles 3 a little bit of a deal breaker
4: nope I'm not going to go <laughs> out here so. out a Xenoblade so, Chronicles game and say, "Oh, this better be 20 hours." I think it's established by now that it's you're looking at 100 hours easy with a Xenoblade. So, game.
3: I'm not hugely into long games these these days, and I found this one quite engaging. And un- Travis, I didn't stop to do a lot of side quest stuff. Mm-hmm. I was very much mainlining it, and I had a great time just doing that. And I feel like it's, you know. Under, you can definitely finish this under 100 hours, for, for sure. sure. And so it's still quite long, I would say. But it doesn't feel like it overstays its welcome necessarily. And I never got... So the problem... I guess the real issue with long games is if they're just padded out, right? Like, that's one of the reasons right. I don't like modern Assassin's Creed games. Because I feel like they're just full of just pointless stuff. Uh, just designed to expand the length of the game. But somehow they managed to cram in enough interesting stuff that just kind of keeps going there's there's enough of a carrot to keep you moving forward yeah, in this There is, uh, but yeah. if you want you can stop and do a lot of stuff on the side and really explore the world and you can make it as long as you want so
2: yeah there i would say this game does have some some padding uh your question of is it is it a deal breaker i think will, will vary greatly depending on whether you're a peer of the world or if you're like me who likes to really dive in or, or and and uh get in there and, and just spend a lot of time in the world but uh um there there's some padding certainly there's points where you know like i said they repeat kind of the same ideas and multiple cutscenes, and you're kind of like all right i get it let's move on you know they make you fight the same boss a couple times and you're like all right i get it um but o- overall it does enough and they packed enough in the in the world and the game mechanics that i never really got to a point where i was just like all right i'm, I'm done with this game uh there are a few beats in the story they have a very like. You know the end of wind waker when you have to go get all those triforce pieces oh, there's a part yeah, yeah. there's a part of the game that made me feel a little bit like that where they're like all right before this big event why don't you go and uh run around and collect pieces of scrap metal and i was like yo <laughs> please <laughs> not like this
4: not
2: <laughs> but th- there's not a there's not a ton of that so i, I would say um especially compared to xeno one which i would argue Kind of requires a lot of grinding in order to to gear up for the final uh, bosses and all that. Uh, This is much more mild by comparison. But you know, if you're not into big RPGs that are probably going to take you like at least eighty hours, then yeah, probably probably not for you. Probably not your thing. I hate them. No, just kidding. I joke.
1: (laughs) No, I i am probably going to invest in live alive just because uh i feel like that one's kind of doable and so i'm like okay i can actually get through live alive how having said that xenoblade chronicles 3 on a a fundamental level is more appealing to me because i hear all the conversations about the battle system is much more in depth than it even has been before and it's it's quite pretty by uh, by nintendo switch standards Mm -hmm. and I think that very long RPGs aren't necessarily a bad thing. If I'm super invested in it, like bravely default Two last year, I put like a hundred hours into that game without even blanking twice, you know, it's like those hours just kind of really flew by. So if it's a, if it's an easy and I've had, and I've had like 20, 30 hour games that just feel like a giant slog. So if, uh, oh, yeah. so, but it sounds like Xenoblade Chronicles three is like one of those games where it's not. It's not slow per se.
3: No, not really. No. It's not that much of a slog. Yeah.
2: Oh, thank God. <laughs> it has parts Phew. where you'll 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 want yeah. wish that they would have sped it up a little bit, but uh, it it um it respects your time at least in gameplay. Like e- each great. gameplay section feels like the right length, the right amount of combat, and you mm. and if you want more, if you want to over level and do side quest stuff like I did, like a psycho, then uh, there's that option. You can go and do that. So. <laughs>
1: My final question is, is Xenoblade Chronicles, does it deserve to be considered a top tier Nintendo franchise?
4: I think so. It's not for everyone, especially 2, but there's so much imagination and weird work put into it that it's just, Xeno in general is just like, okay, this is its own thing. This is certainly split off from the rest of humanity, but let's celebrate it for what it is.
1: Yeah split off from the rest of humanity
4: i'm actually just starting to play i I played i am playing uh the actual xenogears for the first time and i'm just like if if i had been a 17 year old at played that game at that time that would have been a new religion for me i would have not shut up about it to anyone i talked to it is so off the wall it's pretty great
2: Not. i
3: was there for it
4: you never watched (laughs) evangelion right i started but i didn't finish Oh my gosh! I mean, Xenogears Gears is so it evangelion. is. It, it, it's totally Evangelion, one hundred percent. But yeah. yeah, it again is it is a game tailored for seventeen-year-olds. Like it's the kind of game I can understand. You mm-hmm. would play it and not forget it for all its weird, weird faults. So that Xeno yeah. you know, series in general, I think it's yeah.
1: interesting. We just did a podcast about Monolith Soft and like the history of Monolith Soft and how the first half of its history it was at Bandai Namco. And it was working on the xeno saga games and whatnot and bat and kaitos and then it like yeah those are good games yeah those are great games and then it fell into uh, it found its way over to nintendo and got kind of a a second lease on life and it's settled in really nicely as a support studio for yeah. nintendo and also working on the xenoblade chronicles games but i there's still so much of that Old school, like PS2 Square Enix, PS2 Xenosaga DNA in, uh, in Monolith Soft in a way that makes it feel just even a little bit different from Fire Emblem, which is the most, the other most anime thing that Nintendo has going right now. For
4: sure. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But I think this is something they really needed, though. That's the thing, right? Like, this is the kind of game that was missing in Nintendo's lineup, and they finally have this developer who's remarkably efficient at producing these games, like on schedule. Uh, just, I don't know how they're making them so quickly. To be honest, I, I'm actually really surprised. Like when right? they
4: moved it up in the schedule, because I was going to be with Pokemon. I said, "That's there's no way this game is not going to be a buggy it's, mess."
3: It's not. It's and not. So like it's a really solid series and i agree with cat where it does there is something about it that still feels like ps2 era and i say that in a positive way like i actually like that about it very loving but so it's different than most nintendo first party releases in that sense but they don't really have anything else like this and it seems to be doing quite well and I find that a little bit ironic in the sense that it seemed like it was very difficult to even get the original Wii game released mm. in the West yeah, at the time. As a thing, the whole Operation Rainfall stuff, like, didn't want to release it at first. But it seems like it has done so well now that uh, it's become a major pillar for them.
1: This is the Monado's power. This is the Monado's power. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I would say like uh, it, it feels weird to say that this is like considered a top tier Nintendo series if there's only one hugely popular game in it in its uh, you know uh, catalog Uh, so I would say after the first game obviously that that is pretty high up there in people's hearts and minds uh, in the JRPG community two I think at least on this panel if this is any sample size was a step back but I think if three accomplishes anything it will be answering that question Kat which is is this is does this belong you know up there on the, the S tier list sure. of Nintendo uh, franchises? And I would say that it it will probably do that for a lot of people. And hopefully Nintendo is taking note of that and, and considering mm-hmm. them in the same way that they consider their other uh, IPs that are, are um, very popular. Because I think it does. You know, John said it best. It 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 they needed this. I think it appeals to a a, a type of player that they don't have a lot of content for. It is more mature. Uh, it's way more complicated you know you're not going to be playing this if you uh if if this is your first rpg you're going to be lost so um it it, it's a more kind of uh senior uh game as well so yeah i think it 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 sits uh it stands tall in their portfolio especially after xenoblade chronicles 3
3: so the pipeline is xenoblade x by the way before we go on because i didn't hear you mention that one yeah that seems to be the the black sheep here I actually like that
2: game but it it, it is so different from uh yeah. the, the rest of the games that it's sort of hard to consider it part of it, it, it it's it, to me it's like a you know a Mario Kart versus you know a mainline Mario platformer game. It's yeah
4: just... the, the the thing that turned me off about Xenoblade Chronicles act is like I played it and I liked it and I really appreciate it for what it was but when I play a Xenoblade game I want to see like that weird environment where like people are running around on animals. I don't really want to see another generic alien planet.
3: That alien planet was so good-looking. It was beautiful to explore. Oh, cool. And then the mechs and everything. It's,
1: yeah, is that, of is a, that kind some, of a some No Man's Sky world writ large, Yeah, so, yeah.
3: Right? A little bit, yeah. It's Wii U, yeah, Wii U, which is okay. why I'm sure most people forgot about
2: it. Yeah, no, I played that it's, game.
3: I, I I remember being like, oh, this is like the
2: only RPG on the, on the Wii U. But. <laughs>
4: Pretty much. It's, uh,
3: it's also one of the only Wii U games that Nintendo hasn't ported to the Switch, so it's kind of stuck there.
4: Yeah, there it's a go. shame. It is, yeah. Are
3: you listening, um, Nintendo?
4: Well, I, I interviewed <laughs> Takahashi a long time ago for US Gamer RIP, and I asked, where is X? Because everything was going to the Switch at that time. And mm. he said, simply money. That's all it is, money and time. Just-
1: mm. I, th- I think it mm. reminds me a little bit of back in the old days in the Nintendo, where you would get a game that was kind of more traditional, like Super Mario Brothers or Castlevania, I would say. And then the next game comes out and it's a total departure and yes, it's maybe yes. more open-ended and a little more weird, a little more experimental. That's what we got with Xenoblade Chronicles X, right? It's the, uh, you know, yeah. the Castlevania two, um, of Xenoblade. What a horrible night to have occurs.
3: Super Mario Sunshine.
4: <laughs> oh Lordy, <Xenoblade>. yeah. <laughs> we sure got that.
1: But I mean, I admire the inventiveness of Xenoblade Chronicles X and it was cool to explore this world but it always felt slightly like it had all of these concepts that were never quite realized i felt like with xenoblade uh, chronicles X, I, I kind of prefer the more uh, traditional takes and I, I still like xenoblade chronicles 1 actually but um mm-hmm. yeah no uh I, I think xenoblade chronicles 3 was maybe the right way to go with the series and i kind of perceive a pipeline actually from Pokemon to Fire Emblem to Xenoblade Chronicles. It's like a, a period of escalation. At a certain point, escalation. you're going to get to the really nerdy, or it's like, okay, this isn't, too, this is not enough for you. Well, guess what? Here's escalation the, the, or de escalation. I don't know what you mean by de escalation, <laughs> but <laughs> I meant like an escalation of mechanics. So, oh,
4: okay. I'm thinking like, you know, depravity. I, Which one's more anime? I, I think
1: Fire Emblem's more anime than Xenoblade. Yeah,
4: question.
3: These, uh, these days, with yeah, I think it is now. Maybe the older Fire Emblem games not so much, but Three Houses and everything.
2: Oh, Three Houses, absolutely.
3: Yeah, it's super anime.
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. Xenoblade will give it a run for. It's money It's got all the tropes <laughs> for anime. It's pretty. Oh, yeah, yeah but,
4: uh, but it doesn't. It doesn't know the school. Three Houses location. has the goth kids living in the sewer and they're associated yeah. with wolves. That's pretty anime. That's <laughs> a good point.
2: Oh yeah, it's a good point. It's hard to beat that.
1: Hard to beat it, indeed. One thing that's been hard to beat over the past few years has been the Nintendo Switch. It's been it's sold more than a hundred million units at this point, but it has, the tech the tech has never been top tier, which is fine by Nintendo. It's something it's a through line that goes all the way back to the original Game Boy, and it feels like it's a conversation that we've been having since the release of the Nintendo Switch back in 2017. And John, you spent a lot of time thinking about Mm -hmm. tech and so the the question i posed to you in the year of our lord 2022 is the nintendo switch like still good enough
3: from a tech standpoint this is a difficult one because in some ways i would say yes it's actually i feel like people don't give it enough credit for what it's doing Mm -hmm. given that it's a portable console you know when you look at when it was released it actually followed the trajectory of the Sony handhelds more than the Nintendo ones typically, right? Right. Like it was basically like a Vita 2. Uh, And I think it's aged a lot more gracefully than the Vita. A lot of the later Vita games run terrible. Mm -hmm. Like they're just awful on there, technically. That's not really true with Switch. Switch is holding up all right. The problem they're facing now, though, is that developers are transitioning more and more towards the newer consoles, like, you know, Xbox Series X, PS5 and as they do that the tech is getting further and further away from what the switch could do uh so that makes the actual act of bringing these games over uh more difficult basically like if you're not designing from the beginning with the switch in mind uh scaling it down is definitely going to be more and more challenging like we're not quite there yet though given that cross gen is still very much a thing but we're getting close Mm -hmm. uh and i do feel like it's starting to reach the point where nintendo better be thinking about you know we can have ideas so they better be thinking about the next generation of switch hardware which seeing what valve did with steam deck i think we can kind of get like a a general feeling of where nintendo is going to go right the difference i guess is nintendo has been using nvidia as a partner on the switch which i think is key because as has been rumored many times, it would it would behoove them to utilize NVIDIA's DLSS technology, you know, to essentially do more with fewer pixels because DLSS is really good. It can make a 1080p native image look basically like native 4K, sometimes better, which is just unbelievable. And so that is such a perfect match for Nintendo and portable hardware. That it's just, uh, that's what I really want to see. And I think that's the way that we get to a Switch that will hold up better. And I don't expect to see anything like beyond, say, the realm of like a PlayStation 4 in terms of capabilities. But I do think we could see that with better image quality and just sort of a next step. Um, that probably holds out for and, a while. Yeah. And I, I think that would be fine because the thing about Nintendo is they're really good at Specifically Nintendo itself, they're really good at utilizing every last drop of hardware to do very special things. Uh, They understand the right, they have their priorities straight. You know, they typically go for high frame rates, 60 frames per second. And when they don't, they at least deliver a stable 30. You know, they kind of tailor their visuals within the spec of the hardware and let their strong art direction drive it. I mean, how many big Switch games from Nintendo are 60 frames per second? Like a lot of them are not all, but a lot, uh, and that's actually pretty darn darn impressive. They they have a better track record for hitting sixty than Sony and Microsoft did <laughs> last gen, not this gen so much, but last no, time, right? So, uh, you know, so given that, yes, we do need some new Switch hardware, I think going forward, obviously, but I do think the Switch as it is now, especially when you see the OLED model, uh, holds up really well, like. The Steam Deck is more powerful, but the Steam Deck is so bulky, the screen is so low quality that when you pick up a Switch OLED, you're playing the right games. It actually kind of feels better just due to the higher quality screen, you know?
1: Oh man, John, you are speaking my language because I <laughs> I brought my Steam Deck with me down to Comic-Con and well, it wasn't a <laughs> terrible experience. I figured out that yeah. you can turn on FSR and actually, uh, maybe this is a placebo effect, but it feels like it's helping. But when oh, I'm yeah. playing a game like Stray, a game that I feel like should be able to run on the Steam Deck, but I'm getting hitches and that kind of thing, and it doesn't feel entirely optimized, I'm like, come on. Come on, Steam Deck. You're supposed to be... What am I supposed to do well, here? Like, You're supposed to be a super powerful handheld that I've spent like $1,000 on, but you can't even handle freaking Stray? A game that the yeah. D- the Nintendo Switch totally could? Come
3: on. The thing is, though, is you're actually bumping up against what we on DF have termed the stutter struggle. (laughs) So uh, Alex, our PC guy, has been running into this. Basically, every game that's powered by Unreal Engine 4, every game without fail, except for like maybe Gears 5, every other game has... No, no, no. Unreal Engine games specifically. Mm -hmm. Unreal Engine games on the PC have this issue with with compiling shaders that causes stutter no matter how fast your PC is. (laughs) And it's sort of bringing up this issue where some a lot of pc releases these days are just not performing as well as they should they have issues like this even though the hardware is technically a lot more powerful than you know the consoles and it's giving people a bad experience they don't necessarily know why and of course you will still see this on the steam deck as well uh and unreal engine games typically don't exhibit this problem on consoles right so they may not have the top end performance, but they can they have their own advantages.
1: I before people yell at me, I know Monster Hunter would, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak was done in the RE engine, and I'm just constantly oh, right. impressed Sorry. by <laughs> the the power and the flexibility of that. Like and I you know, I've been playing Sunbreak on the Nintendo Switch, and that game looks amazing on the Nintendo yeah. Switch, actually, and holds a pretty steady frame rate despite a lot of stuff being on the screen Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. once and it's an impressive accomplishment actually maybe low-key the most impressive technical accomplishment of the generation for the nintendo switch
3: i mean re engine in general was awesome i mean it just it looks fantastic high frame rates beautiful graphics they got it running on switch now with this monster hunter looks amazing on there yeah i agree completely it's a it's a showpiece title for the switch
4: I think it yeah. all comes down to what the studio can do like nintendo's really talented at monolith Soft is apparently very talented at getting everything out of the switch we've talked many times on Ask the blog out about dragon quest uh 11s which just
3: runs oh yeah
4: incredible on the switch it's so another
3: unreal one though which is, was it unreal it is on the
4: switch i thought it was built back up it, from... nope
3: it's, really it is unreal on on the switch and in fact the xbox and feature versions of it were all derived from the work done for switch that's why they actually had slightly lower fidelity visuals worth it for the content worth it for the content but you know
1: i was going to say the re engine is everything that ea ever wanted frostbite to be but never was i mean it's super powerful flexible engine with great tools that can do a variety of genres on a variety of platforms. Like EA never figured out how to get Frostbite really going on the Nintendo Switch. I think that FIFA was always on the previous generation uh, engine from the the Xbox One and the PS4. And meanwhile, Capcom's like, oh, just put anything in the RE engine. It's gonna look incredible and run really well.
3: Yeah, it sure does. It's fantastic.
1: So maybe what it comes down to is not so much the raw power of the handheld but just how flexible and strong your tool set is if you have really good programmers
3: Mm -hmm. and just your targets in general like i've always kind of pointed out if you look back at like super nes and genesis days right most games on those systems are 60 frames per second they're simple 2d pixel art games sure but they're super fast and responsive you can do that you can do 60 fps games that look good artistically on the Switch without a problem it's it's totally feasible to do it's way more than powerful enough for that it's just about the targets that the, the the developers set right. so always worth keeping in mind when talking about whether hardware is good or bad and uh, from my eyes when you look at the history of consoles as a whole the switch is kind of a miracle it's a very impressive yes, device yeah. and i think people are way too harsh on it and it doesn't deserve that
1: ah uh, well you to- there you have it, John Linneman. The switch <laughs> is kind of a miracle. <laughs> Go ahead, Travis.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think um, the question of is is the switch powerful enough, right? Is a matter of what ty- what type of games are you trying to make for it, and yeah. what what does Nintendo want to do in terms of audience? Because I think Nintendo, you know, they're just trying to get switches into your house and. Uh, at, at the, the current price they're selling it at, obviously it's doing extremely well. And I don't think Nintendo has any problem continuing to do exactly what they're doing today without a Switch Pro. Because I think then, you, then you're competing with a market that maybe uh, would rather just get the Steam Deck or play a console or build their own PC and that sort of stuff. And I don't think Nintendo um, is trying to get that player right now. And I think they're totally fine with the market that they have. Um, I also just wouldn't, I wouldn't, claim to guess uh, what Nintendo is going to do next. You know, I wouldn't say, oh yeah, Switch Pro 100%. You know, this is a company no, no. that, that uh, it, 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 they marched to the beat of their own drum. They could, you know, completely come out with a new console that has three screens on it or uh you know sell you an action figure that is a video game console or you know who knows what they're going to do with their next generation so um it but that's sort of the fun of nintendo that's the joy of them is that they yeah. mix things up and they do things that the industry isn't expecting and uh they also serve a market that i think is is underserved uh in in the games industry so yeah i, I i'm totally happy with my oled uh, Switch and and. Uh, games tend to look pretty good on it when they are the right games
3: and so you know
2: when you're making a game
3: yeah the the thing is though as i do kind of feel like nintendo's sort of stumbled into their perfect form factor here in the sense that this covers both the portable space and the console space because for years they were dealing with this issue of dividing up their development resources between their handhelds and their consoles right yeah now that they have them consolidated and they're making for one platform i can't see them ever wanting to go back to a split no. format, right? I like this is, I think this is the future for them. It's for just sure. this kind of model.
1: It's a breaking news. Nintendo decided they're not doing that. They're going back to the Wii U now.
2: They could do it. They could do it. Who knows? They were you know Wii they was back. They're always guess keeping us that guessing
4: horrible inside. plastic console sized controller. It, oh yeah. It was, oh, watch it was out. Wii U stands are going to come get it you out of it was it much was.
2: better for mario maker also nintendo land so underrated as a game oh, so underrated. oh yeah you're right oh, so cool Switched and, that, and, awesome. you, and, you, and you couldn't you couldn't do that with the switch because you need both screens mm-hmm. so that's true
4: it, it had its it benefits did. it sure did. It did
1: john what did you make of mario plus rabbits 2 and the yeah the, i think there were reports of assets being in like 4k and that kind of thing and there are people oh, saying wow, yeah. so it looks better than what the switch could possibly do like what was your takeaway from that
3: i i don't think it looks better than the switch can possibly do <laughs> at all uh, uh-huh. but i do know that 4k assets like screenshots and stuff that's something nintendo does somewhat regularly like there was 4k shots i've seen of xenoblade 3 as well we know that's not <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> possible yeah so yeah. um I mean the visuals look nice and in Mario Rabbits 2, but I don't think it looks anything beyond what you would expect from the Switch. And honestly, they're using a fantastic engine there. Uh it's the same one that was used for the division. So oh, uh interesting. They did great they did great work there with the first game. So it stands to reason that with all this time they would have further improved it, right? So and I don't think that they would be announcing this as a switch game if it wasn't running on switch right like even if they were like hinting at oh yeah this is also going to work on some unannounced console down the line which who knows maybe it will they're not going to be showing it not running or they're not going to show something that couldn't run on the regular switch kind of like uh you know when breath of the wild was first revealed right they showed it on wii u because they hadn't announced the switch yet, and we know it came to the switch of course but it was still Perfectly fine on the Wii. So, you know, whether there's a new machine for this or not, I don't know, but I think what we're seeing here is completely in line with what the Switch can do. I think so,
1: yeah. What is the biggest thing holding back the Nintendo Switch right
2: now? Ooh. Online.
4: I think <laughs> online is a big thing, yeah. um Nintendo just has so many opportunities. Like, I shouldn't really praise the company for not making like, you know, games as a service games. But when you look at like something like Mario Kart, here's some new tracks. Oh, well, it's about time. This game has only been out for 10,000 years. And you're only now adding tracks, lots of tracks, to be be fair, to a a game that's been wildly popular since the release of the Switch, since the games release on the Wii U, even like it's probably the best game they had in terms of sales. So stuff like that, stuff like Animal Crossing, like they just not handle that the way they they could have they could have like we could still be getting regular content drops and people will be playing the game like crazy but that's just not what they do and they could but it, it, it's such a paradox because yeah this nintendo could do this and make 10 million dollars 10 billion dollars but they're nintendo and they do their own thing and that's what makes the nintendo they're frustrating
3: <laughs> it's a frustrating relationship uh, t- I actually like this. I'll be honest. I'm not a fan of online gaming. I don't like the direction the industry's going with digital stuff. It's right. not for me. So I appreciate Nintendo's dinosaur-like approach to this because it fits dinosaurs like myself perfectly. <laughs> Nintendo, so out there with uh, the it's, dinosaurs. It's, a exactly. Some somehow though, kids still love it. So that's great. That's I actually yeah. think it's. So I don't want to see the online sh- <laughs> improve all that much. To be honest, I, I it's not. It's not something that interests me that much. I think it's fine enough for what it is. If you really want to play online, there's other platforms for that. Uh, as far as the Switch itself, though, I do think one thing that has never been addressed, and I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted by this, it's the Switch Joy-Con drift issues, right? Yeah. Like, there's still this problem all these years later. They've never actually truly fixed it. And to me, that's baffling because Nintendo hardware is traditionally known for being super robust. You can throw a GameCube down the steps. It's going to still work. Just I'm going
4: to try it right now. Uh, we
3: will do this. <laughs> All right. Yes. Uh, and yet these, these Joy-Con, I haven't had too many problems with it, but I know a lot of people that have and they still have. Yes. Yeah, Even, with, you know, the Switch OLED joy cons that new model comes out. The biggest problem is like the switch light. If you get one of those units, the Joy-Con, well, the joysticks Be start sure. to go bad, and that you're in trouble, right? So that's uncharacteristic of Nintendo, and I'm a little surprised they haven't found a way to f- fix it. It's strange.
1: But could the it's Nintendo so Switch su- survive uh, the Persian Gulf War? I don't know.
3: But... No, nope. probably not. <laughs> I like the Game Boy, turn <laughs> into
4: five pieces in two seconds flat.
1: I think the Nintendo Switch is actually a really just neat design. I, I love the concept mm-hmm. of the Joy-Con, even if uh, it's been, I have like a million of those dang things flying around all the time. Um, it's really easy to do party games on the Nintendo Switch because there's always a controller floating around somewhere, even if even if it's just a little one, just a little Joy-Con. I've got a million it's Switch a Joy-Con. controllers controllers as well.
3: It's yeah. also um, really easy to pair the controllers, which is, is a small thing, but it's really nice for those multiplayer sessions.
1: Yeah. Do you think we'll be seeing a switch pro anytime soon is has the time come john or are mm. we just or is nintendo just going to keep rolling
3: it's hard to say if what they would introduce would be a switch pro or just like the next switch you know what i mean because we're it, kind of
1: at that point it, now it, Aaron. It, it's been five it years It could be
3: right it doesn't have to be uh like the ps4 pro equivalent it can just be here's the next switch uh and, I don't know what that would mean for their market. I'm sure they're actually terrified of doing this because they've always struggled with these generational leaps and the Switch is such a good thing for them right now. But I feel like if they do the jump, they really need to continue what they've started with Switch. Uh, It should be backwards compatible. I think it would be absolutely ridiculous to release a new Switch that's not, uh, given how much people have invested in this platform. So, you know, I do think obviously they're working on something they would be foolish not to, there is something in development. We don't know what it is yet. We don't know when it's targeted for release, whether it's just, you know, another switch model, which I feel like the switch OLED should have been the switch pro, especially when you look at it from the perspective of their prior handhelds, right. Where they've always done those upgraded models, right? Like the new 3ds and such and more powerful uh, hardware inside. So I'm a little surprised it didn't actually happen last year. And now I think it's probably too late for just an upgraded model. So it's probably gonna be something I, I new. I think
4: that COVID threw a wrench in their plans, real hardcore.
3: Yeah, that's that's probably more accurate, I'd say.
4: Well, one way or
1: another, we're, we have a pretty solid holiday in store, I would say, with Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And then of course, Bayonetta is coming out and Pokemon, which is going to be anchoring the holiday season so nintendo switch just keeps trucking right along all right it's time now for question block america's favorite segment we've got a bunch of question blocks for you and the first one is from brian valentine what games currently available on other platforms would you be willing to see a reduction in graphics quality that you can play on nintendo switch and I throw this one to you, Travis.
2: Oh, man. Um, that is a tough one. Um, I mean, basically all of them, right? If I could get Very all of my games. All of on, the games. All of the games. Put them. I, I will play any game at a lower uh, quality. Um, where's some games. Sorry, I've been in in my brain playing uh, games that aren't out yet with Xenoblade and a few other things I'm working on. So my head's in that. Like, what games am I playing now? Um, I'll go with Destiny Two. Ooh. I'll go with Destiny Two. Uh, you can already play it on the Stadia. Uh, it's uh, been out for a long time, so I'm sure the Switch could run it, and if it ran at a lower quality. But again, it's the the, the question is online and can it work? And yeah. can you do voice chat in the Switch and all that stuff? And I would probably my use case for it would more be when I'm you know on the go and I just want to hop on and play something. Uh, you can play that game on your phone now, so put it on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm
1: funny because you can play practically everything on the Nintendo Switch at this point, even long wanted uh, ports are finally making their way over. Uh, How about you, John?
3: So thinking about this one game I'd actually really like to see in the Switch is uh, the Halo Master Chief collection, Mm -hmm. because I feel like those games would actually look and run very well on Switch for one. And two, it would be such an awesome local, like multi switch kind of multiplayer game, both in co op or just in deathmatch. You know, you have your friends, you each have a switch, play co op together on that thing. It would be a ton of fun and work extremely well, I would say. So that's one I would really like to see. Moved switch to Halo switch. Land Party. That's a. <laughs> yes,
4: right? that's like the way. really
3: fantastic. Like, I think that Microsoft kind of missed out on that. It would have been a. A fun thing that i don't think would have eaten too much into their
0: Mm -hmm. own system
3: sales necessarily beyond that though it's it's it starts to get tricky because you kind of have to weigh how much you're willing to sacrifice right like do you really want to put that on the switch or not i feel like most of the games that are suitable for the switch are coming to the switch already pretty much yeah and then the really high-end stuff you know you're not gonna bring that over i think
2: No Assassin's Creed on
3: the Switch. No, I mean, I guess you could see like Capcom's recent, all the Resident Evil games as of late, like those haven't been ported, right? Like there was the cloud version of 7, but given how RE Engine is performing on Switch, I think they could do a decent version of those games on there. So that would be fun to see. And I know a certain person that would be really into that as well. So
1: (laughs) as long as it's not the cloud version, no, please no, yeah. no more cloud ridges, No,
4: no cloud versions, please. Those I, are bad. I'm not gonna touch Those them. Those
3: are so bad. Don't do that, please. <laughs> How about you, Nadia? Uh
4: I largely agree with what John said, but uh just I guess put Final Fantasy 14 on there, ruin my life further. Why not? Sure, why <laughs> just not? play it on the go. Destroy everything no. I, I know yeah. and love. We said uh, online
2: wasn't wasn't a concern, but then we got three online games as yeah, our
4: answers. Yeah, we're we all got, hypocrites yeah, here. Just Welcome to Hypocrite them. Hour.
1: <laughs> I, I guess the question is: Is the age of the impossible port over? Because we were kind of mulling over what we wouldn't mind seeing coming over to the Nintendo Switch with so many of the most powerful games. Like, okay, so I own a Steam Deck, as I may have mentioned, and when I look at the games that maybe could work on the Steam Deck and not the Nintendo Switch some well. Doom 2016, a game that was ported to the Nintendo Switch and ultimately was fairly good, but I would rather play on the Steam Deck. Um, Or uh, the God of War or Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, Both of those are on the Steam Deck, and I'm kind of like, I'm intrigued and I I wouldn't mind uh, playing these games, but so many of the games that I own on Steam Deck are like, yeah, I, I can also get this on Nintendo Switch. It's like whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, It's kind of a funny situation. Even games like that you wouldn't have expected to make it over, like Witcher Three, ultimately did.
3: Oh, it's crazy! It's yeah, a good port too. It's really impressive. Yeah. I mean, given that, it would be interesting to see them attempt Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, oh, boy. <laughs> just, oh boy! Just just oh out boy. of a just a pure curiosity thing, I would like to see what they could do there. But I don't think it would be anything that they'd want to ship so randomly
4: exploding cars and
1: handheld
3: (laughs) yeah that would not be good so
1: probably why is my nintendo switch on fire oh my gosh (laughs) just trying to load up night city would probably melt the switch
3: swear to gosh it would be bad it would be bad
1: nadia this one's for you matt bade says my girlfriend and i are planning to get another cat soon and she rejected the name samus for our first cat No, but i will be which is ironic because a good friend of mine has a cat named Samus, actually, but I will be pushing hard for the next cat
4: to have a video game character name.
1: Besides Samus, one of the best Nintendo characters to name a pet.
4: Growing up, I mean, half my pets at least were all named after either Hungarian swear words or or, or Nintendo <laughs> characters. So I had I actually had a rat named Samus, so that's a great name for any sort of animal. Like it's just like wow. such a simple good name. Uh, I also had mm-hmm. Rush the dog growing up. That's a great that was a Ooh. great name for a dog and he was a great great dog and uh, i have a cat tango who's also a Mega man reference mm. but uh going back to cat hates me because i'm really into final fantasy 14. I, I dragged eric into it as well our other co-host so i would name my next cat Tia if my husband let me so because <laughs> <laughs> i have a problem with cat boys but samus is a great name and i'm really sorry you weren't able to get it because i like names that are kind of like actually i had a cat Cammy. See, and the reason i named her cammy is because she's a tortoise shell so she had camo in a way and she had the personality of cammy who was uh well as you know a little bit spicy and well she had real tortitude so that was also a great name for a cat and uh yeah just get the games that sorry get the names that have like the double meaning because those are the fun ones Uh, another double meaning name i had was my cat dante big black cat that was of course dante from devil may cry that was uh, Dante from uh, Dante's Inferno, I guess, and also Dante from Clerks, because my husband was watching Clerks at the time, <laughs> so we we named uh, our cat Dante. So yeah, simple syllables, fun names. Um, one of get my a, favorite stories get a is... teapot, de- get a teacup pig, and name it Gannon. Aww, I actually saw Ooh. a cosplay once where someone <laughs> used a teacup pig as a poogle. It was uh, it was very very cute. But I I hope that uh, I hope that uh, that pig is now okay so not bacon somewhere you want to get confusing name him after pokemon litten litten's <laughs> a great good. name i know what, i might name it i might name my next cat litten i think that's a good name for a cat
2: or you could name him mario in a cat costume
4: <laughs> <laughs> i was uh one, one story i told on Axe of the vlog god is i was a groomer a dog groomer back in the day and i met a, a boston Terrier named super saiyan goku 3. And uh, that was was a pretty great name. You can't beat that name, so don't bother. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) It's a great name. And the mother was like, I'm so sorry. I said, no, that's amazing. (laughs) The more extra, the better, honestly. Yep, Yep, for sure. Phil Mansfield wants to know, why is
1: no one talking about Digimon Survive when its triangle strategy crossed Digimon? And I throw this one to the panel. Oh, Oh, Travis is raising it. Travis, Uh, tell us all about Digimon.
2: Yeah, the reason that nobody is talking about it is because uh, the game is currently not pre pre orderable on any oh. online stores, and the review codes that were supposed to come out much earlier are still not available. And so the game comes out mm. today, and IGN's reviewer, who has yet to be announced, um, has not received that code yet. And so uh, there's something real weird going on here. This game got delayed a couple times, and it seems that. Nobody has really played it. I believe it came out in Japan today. So I guess people can play it, but on the PR front, in terms of transparency or you know, giving more information about this uh, game or letting uh people in the industry play it and give recommendations early, that appears to not be taking place. So that's the reason nobody's talking about it. It seems to be intentional on the part of the um publisher slash developer. Interesting. Weird. Yeah, super weird. It really usually blew not the a marketing good marketing on this game, didn't they? yeah yeah uh usually not a good sign i've, I've reviewed a couple no. of games where uh where we did we were supposed to get codes and then didn't until you know after the game came out and neither of those games in 2022 ended up uh being very strong um they were fun to review though so we'll see uh but yeah that, that's the reason it seems to be intentional on their part
1: interesting yeah that's really too bad because the Digimon games on the PS Vita were well-received. And I think there's a lot of nostalgia mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. Digimon. And the initial stills of this new game, Digimon Survive, were, I, I would say, favorably received. So um, they really dropped the ball, I think, on actually being able to market this thing and get it to a wider audience. So, mm-hmm. shame. All right, let's wrap up what we with what we have been playing. John? you been playing
3: all right. Well, mostly retro stuff. Uh, I've been playing all of the Klonoa games because nice. I am working on a DF retro on that series. When I say all of them, I mean all of them, including the volleyball game, uh, mm-hmm. Klonoa Heroes, the RPG on GBA, and of course the mainline game. So, love that series. Enjoying replaying all of them and then writing about them, doing video. But on the side, I don't know why, but I've I'm about halfway through replaying uh Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Oh, for Great some reason. choice. Nice. Great choice. So it's just been so long since I've played it. And I was like, you know what? I need to replay this game. I've been up enjoying a long time? it a lot. It it holds up a lot better than I expected. Cool. For some reason in my mind, I was like, oh, this is probably not gonna age that well. But no, it's it's beautiful, it's super snappy. I still love the battle system. It just it's just an awesome game. They really did a great job with that one. It just kinda one-two punch like all the time and each world is interesting and fun and uh the characters are still great and yeah it's you know the recent switch one was really good so i kind of feel like there's a little bit of a competition there now but mm-hmm. outside of maybe that one i feel like this is probably still the best one in the series
4: for sure yeah yeah i absolutely loved origami king too but it feels very different it's hard to really compare yeah paper it's mario anymore at all, right
3: to, to exactly origami king. It's pretty different. You're right, but you know, it, that's just kind of been the series, I guess, in a nutshell. That's right. Yeah. But either way,
4: every game,
2: it's is a lot it's better totally than Super different.
3: Paper Mario on Wii, which was uh, that was a big step down.
4: That one never played.
3: <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. I played it.
4: Uh, yeah,
3: it's not. <laughs> but that's it's
4: all it. I'll that's, say.
3: That's pretty much. That's pretty much what I've been playing: just Klonoa and Paper Mario: Thousand Year Door. That's yeah. Respect.
1: Um. Travis, what have you been playing?
2: Yeah, uh, you'll be unsurprised to learn I've been playing a lot of Xenoblade, uh, but I've also um, been playing a game called Roller Drome, which is a roller yeah. derby uh, game that's a PlayStation game. Um, it's sort of like Tony Hawk Pro Skater meets uh, like a shooter. It's it's <laughs> it, it, very insane <laughs> game uh, where you refill. Super it.
3: interested in this.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. You, you one of the cool mechanics is you um, the only way to refill your guns is by doing tricks. So when you run out of ammo, you have to like go and do a sick, you know, spin move. Uh, and, and this footage, if you're if you're a visual viewer of the show, um, is is footage from my preview that I did for IGN for it. So you can check that out on IGN.com. But other than that, I'm always juggling like fifteen games at once because I have uh incredibly short attention span. So um, yeah, pl- playing lots of games and, and previewing stuff. And, uh, except for the 150 I, hours he put in the Xenoblade Chronicles Except 3. for that, which I guess was mandated by law. I was constitutionally required <laughs> to play that. Um, but uh, yeah, and then my next preview that I'm working on for the, the site is uh, Construction Simulator, which I should have um, a piece oh. on next week. So um keeping busy playing lots of different games.
1: As for me, I've been playing Stray, the cat game, uh, oh, my Steam Deck. Beautiful. That's why I brought it with me. And uh, I I, don't, I think it runs fine on the Steam Deck for the most part. Um, I like it, I have one gripe. The cat is not cat-like enough, okay? I should not be doing Mm. environmental puzzles in which I'm literally picking up items in my mouth and (laughs) putting them into slots. A cat would not do that thing. Like I was talking about this, I was like, obviously they should have environmental puzzles where you are solving them by being a cat. For example, randomly hitting buttons because you saw a rat or something and or a la- where's my laser pointer puzzle is what i'm saying
2: That's interesting That's good
1: point. yeah everybody's well, I feel crazy like for could... the cat game uh should be coming out on nintendo
3: switch at some point what are we gonna say i was gonna say if they wanted to make it a true cat simulator they'd have to make it so that the cat does the opposite of what you want it to do with the controls
1: exactly you know, No. You pr-
3: yeah press yeah. you press left and he just sits there are we watching Aww. doom right? I as i a love cat. that we're watching
4: a doom mod with stray <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> yeah oh i'm like dude, is this, is this yes. cat being chased by cyber demon? am i seeing this right
3: <laughs> now that that i want to play it's a- uh <laughs> yes that is amazing oh my god
2: Sorry, very I'm very quickly
1: became but... a meme game because it had the, the press B to meow button, which uh, oh, yeah. inspired that, choice. Yeah. Practically game of the year just for that. And I do love like scratching at the carpet. I could just do that all day as well. That's my little cat I'm surprised character. somebody
3: hasn't modded in press B to Jason into that yet. They have. That already happened. Oh, they have.
2: It happened immediately. It happened the that first day cool. the game was out. Yeah. 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 The... Amazing.
4: <laughs>
1: I think out of the animal-focused meme games, uh, Goose Game is maybe better, uh, just because I felt oh, yeah. much more like an angry goose in Goose Game, whereas in Stray, yeah. I'm solving environmental puzzles with a little robot. Yeah. But it's cute. I'm going to play
2: through it. Yeah. So if you that, want to be cool. um, more like a cat, you could just um, refuse to advance the story and stay in the opening area and just kind of oh, chill. Yeah,
1: You've cracked the code. Just there stay go. there, just, just like there. room yourself, hang yeah. out, sleep. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Find especially a way fun. to get under the player's foot while they're trying to do something because you want to be fed. <laughs> anyway, it feels like a given that this is going to come out on a Nintendo Switch and it's
1: probably going to run better on the Switch. So, um, Nadia, what have you been playing?
4: Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I've been playing a lot of Zoom Chronicles 2, just kind of going over that again. And weird game, but I still love it, especially that soundtrack. Like everything just about oh, yeah. that game is elevated by that soundtrack. It goes hard. But also been playing, as I said, for uh, Axel the Blood God. Gears, the original because i never played it and it is whacked out like in the best possible mm-hmm. way like it is <laughs> so odd yeah so i'm enjoying that for what it is it's a little hard for me to play because um number one i'm playing on the vita and my eyes um i'm really overdue for a visit to the eye doctor i can't see the screen that well and one problem i always had with uh kind of those 3d early rpgs is swinging the camera around which makes me kind of ill because with Xeno, with Xeno gears you press L or R and the camera goes hard it's either you're like I'm going all the way over here mm-hmm. or I'm making, moving like a tiny pixel and whereas I'm, I'm so used to just taking a second control uh analog controller and just adjusting the camera how I want so it's a little hard to play it certainly has its retro feel to it but it's you can certainly see this is where it all started like this is why I I am so excited for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 it is just Something else. That's it. Well, that's about all the
1: time left we have for this week's Nintendo Voice Chat. Follow us on Twitter at NVC Podcast and submit your question block questions on the NVC Facebook group. Thanks to our friends in the control room, red on the ones and twos. And most of all, thanks to all of you for hanging out with us. And remember, NVC is the only place you can
4: get the thing. The get thing. the thing.